Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I'd like to welcome you back to this game day preview edition of the Start Vegas Report. Of course, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And man, it's about time, isn't it? We are excited. We're fired up. I know you are. I know Coach Leach and his staff is fired up. I know those players are fired up. We're about to go to Baton Rouge and try to win us a football game here in the next, oh, 30 or so hours, depending on what time I get this uploaded. (laughs) Depending on what time you listen to it, you might listen to it Saturday morning. But uh, we're excited. We're fired up. And I know you are as well. Um, We're going to get into all the stuff about LSU. Uh, We're going to talk about, go down their roster and point out some, uh, some anomalies and some things that you're probably going to want to know about. Some some of those interesting aspects of their roster, strengths and weaknesses. And as we continue, uh, we will have later joining the show, um, TJ from LSU.prime on Instagram. He's another guy that covers uh, LSU sports just like Gavin and I cover Mississippi State. He's going to talk to us about, uh, on their side of things, what he expects from his team uh, in this upcoming game and what he expects the outcome to be. And uh, he's going to also break down some of the things that's going on at LSU uh, throughout the offseason. We know that they've had a bit of a tumultuous time. Of course, I would have traded that for a national championship any day yeah. of the week. Yeah, that's kind of – that. sometimes that's the price you have to pay. Right. You know, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Yeah. But in any case, uh, we're excited to get started. Um, Gavin's gonna got some news to talk about at first. Yeah. Uh, that has nothing to do with LSU, but just something you'd probably be interested in hearing. Yeah, so – uh, if you haven't heard by now, freshman DB Javorius Selman, he is uh, at first about a week or a week and a half ago, he opted out uh, due to COVID concerns, apparently. I do know that uh, his one of his close family members is apparently in ICU or, you know, in some serious health condition. I don't know more about that. I'm not going to go into more of that. That's his that's his private information. But that's that's the reason that he opted out. Uh, he opted out. For that, claimed his COVID concerns, and then within that would be two days by now. Two days by the time you're listening to this, right? It'll, or it, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. So on Tuesday, uh, Javorius he ended up saying that he's just transferring to Jackson State to play under new head coach Deion Sanders, which is interesting. I think that's something to follow, not only because he's he's obviously downgrading in programs. He probably has a better opportunity to play at Jackson State, but this is something to look into because. Javorius hadn't even entered the transfer portal yet whenever he was saying that he was going to Jackson State, which could be a big recruiting scandal already for Dion. I don't know if the NCAA is actually going to do anything about it because he's Dion Sanders, but this could this is definitely a legal recruitment. He shouldn't be recruiting guys that aren't even in the portal yet. So that's something to look out for, but like I said, I doubt anything comes of it, but we'll have to see. And we of course, I I actually don't hope that there isn't any big stink about no. it. Uh we're not we, we, first of all, appreciate anybody who ever chose uh, at any point to wear the Bulldog uniform. And to, uh, and even though Javorius Selman hasn't played a snap yet, he did sign with us, and he's one of ours, and he always will be. Um, but that being said, this is not a guy whose loss is going to cripple us at a, any position, even though it is at the position of most need. I, I actually am a little bit sore about that, simply because, not for anybody's fault or whatever, but I, I wish it had been, you know, We've got five running backs. If it had been the fifth running back, you know, yeah. we'd be fine. Uh, yeah. And we're still 
again, somebody going to transfer to an FCS program, I'm not going to just dwell on that at the risk of sounding uh, like I'm bashing that type of Division two football or anything like that because I'm not. But obviously there's a bit of a talent discrepancy there. And if somebody's best opportunity to play is, in fact, at a, an FCS school, then uh, perhaps they need they need to add some things to their repertoire, to their game, or add some size to them. And Javor Selman's undersized. Yeah. Um, that, that was the knock on him with recruiting. I thought, I was excited when we got him. He was an early commitment. He committed as a junior. Um, I remember when he committed. Uh, he was, you know, a big in-state, uh, in-state win, per, per se, for the, in terms of it was early, and we, he didn't have time, we didn't have time to get a bunch of other schools involved in his recruitment. Yep. Uh, one more thing I do want to say about Javorius, though. Best of luck to him. And I also want to add on to what I was saying earlier with the portal thing. Sometimes the transfer portal is delayed, so there is a chance that he was in the portal and Dion knew that, but it just wasn't showing up in the portal. So that could be that could be another situation. And we don't know the I details. He also could have committed to Jackson State and never talked to Dion. I mean just yeah. assume that they'd have him. Yeah. Uh we have no idea. Yeah. Could have. I, I doubt it, but he could that could have been the case. In any case, we're not trying to cry foul here. Just giving y'all the information and the facts. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about LSU's roster a little bit before LSU Prime. Uh, TJ joins the show. We're just going to give y'all the rundown, talk about offense and defense, and point out some of the guys that we think are just a big deal, uh, guys to look out for this weekend. Right. So kind of going across on the left tackle for them on their offense is, is I'm guessing this name, his name is spelled like Dare. I don't know if he says Dare. Dare. Or Dari, spelled like Dare. Yeah. Um, they did not give a pronunciation guide on the roster. Uh, they actually did for a couple names, but not him. <laughs> um, he's only he's only played in five games, so not very experienced at all uh, at ref t- at left tackle. He's a redshirt sophomore. He started three of those games, including the Mississippi State game last year. And of course, our front seven didn't play terrible last year. Um, yeah. We got we got got to Joe Burrow a couple times, especially the first half. The first yeah. half, I felt very confident in the defense. Well, it was very uh, well. We had, I remember, we had a big coverage blown with some linebackers, yeah. but up front it looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you remember in the second half of that game, a very uh, Joe Burrow's what I call Joe Burrow's Heisman moment was when he was literally pantsed in front of the student <laughs> session when the game was over. Yeah. It was just, it was just kind of the cherry on. <laughs> it was, was kind of like giving us the cherry and letting LSU have the cake. Didn't Chauncey do that? Chauncey did yeah. that, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but we did have some success last year. They've got Ed Ingram is the only other starter other than uh, Terrence Marshall, Jr. at receiver. He's at left guard. Brand new center. He's a transfer from Harvard. He started all three years at Harvard. He's a grad transfer, but he never started at center. He's 6'5", 304, which is odd because he's a little bit lighter and a little bit taller than most centers, yeah. but he earned that starting job. Uh, career backup moved to the starting role as a – Chase and Hines, um, and then Austin Deculus. I'm sorry, Ed Ingram hasn't started before. He's he's not the starter. Austin Deculus is the only returning starter. He's also the only senior on that team, um, besides uh, on the offensive line besides the grad transfer, and uh, the rest are sophomores and juniors. Sorry about that. Moving on, and this is a guy we're going to talk about for a little bit. Eric Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Eric Gilbert is six five, two hundred fifty pounds. He plays tight end. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year last year. This kid's 18 years old, guys. And was the highest-ranked tight end in 247 sports recruiting history. There has never been a tight end ranked higher than this man right here. And he's not really a tight end. They're going to have him be a monster-sized receiver. Yeah. 
because they're going to spread you out. They're not going to, you know, he blocks too and stuff, but he's not going to play this hand in the ground very much. Yeah. And this is, we just are trying not to become his coming out party. Okay, guys. <laughs> he's very talented. I mean, obviously true freshman Gatorade player of the year. Uh, like Colton said, highest ranked tight end ever. In 24-7 sports history. Ever. Yeah. Like the highest. The now, only this guy, tight end to ever win the Gatorade Player of the Year. Right. It's never happened. And obviously this guy's uber talented. But at the same time, some of these people on Twitter are talking like this is this is Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski in one. Like right. The, and like this guy is uber talented. He's going to be really good. But I've never seen a true freshman come in and just – completely dominate a game ever. Right. He's still a freshman. And I doubt he's going to do that in his first college game ever. I do think he's very talented. I think he's going to be a great tight end. He'll probably play NFL football. Oh, but, definitely, unless he's hurt. Yeah. Like there's but, just by nature of size alone. Yeah. But uh, my only concern here is, you know, he is a freshman, and so we don't – maybe he'll light the wood on fire tomorrow, or excuse me, by the time you hear this tomorrow. It's Thursday for us right yeah. now. We're recording this early. Um. Maybe he'll light the woods on fire. Maybe he won't. He is. He's just a coverage nightmare. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's fast enough to where they would throw him some screens and he'd take them seventy yards in high school. There's film all all about that. He's also, you know, huge. We don't he's have anybody faster, that tall. On he's defense. a faster Brad Combist. He's a faster Brad Combist. He's probably he's like a Montez Sweat, but playing mm-hmm. on. Yeah. He honestly he's built like your outside linebacker, your stand up defensive end. You know, your two technique defensive end is what he's built like. Um. Again, the key to stopping him is to get to Miles Brennan, is to force pressure to confuse him. And the, with Zach Arnett's defense, the, the biggest advantage I think we'll have is being confusing. Hopefully we can be very, very confusing for a new quarterback. He, Of course, his weakness, and I've talked about this with other LSU people, he's got a live arm. His, he's pretty accurate. He's just never played quarterback that much. You've got you've to throw some things at him that's going to mess him up and – uh, prevent him from getting into a rhythm. He's definitely, I mean, if you know how a new quarterback he is, a tight end is your best friend. He's going to be looking for mm-hmm. uh, for this guy. Yeah. We're going to have to get to him and prevent him from even getting the ball out there, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, moving on to wide receivers, we're going to look about Kayshawn Butt. He's a true Butte. freshman. Butte. My apologies if it is Butte. Poor Kay- Sorry, Kayshawn, if yeah. you're listening. Uh, true freshman, four-star wide receiver, six foot, 185. We don't know much about him, obviously. He'll, he'll be in the slot. Yeah. And um, he's the guy that they think is going to be, you know, their Odell Beckham Jr. or maybe even their, you know, their Jamar Chase in years to come. But he's just a freshman. Uh, he's probably, at this point, the fourth option out of these receivers. Um, Racy McBath, he's a senior that's never started. He's a waited-his-turn kind of guy. In a reserve role, he killed us last year. Absolutely killed us. We recruited him really hard when he was a freshman, if you remember, several years ago. But you have to get an old uh, – I almost said old Miss. LSU. <laughs> uh, he's 6'3", 225. A lot of these guys are big, and it's going to hurt us. You've got to – we already talked about um, the tight end. The next guy, Terrence Marshall, the, probably the number one option for Miles Brennan. Yeah. Um, he's the only returning player on offense, probably an NFL guy for next year. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, a little bit light but still tall. A lot of guys are – and this is the nature of defensive backs. You don't really have that many defensive backs that are taller than 6'3", but – our tallest guy is Martin Emerson at 6'2 back there. Um, there's going to be some some struggles to cover these guys from a height perspective. Now, that being said, uh, with you, none of these are, exu- are extraordinarily tall. You know, you, you don't have A.J. Green out there um, except for Gilbert, you know, yeah. with being 6'5", 250. 
And that's just the nature of the SEC guys. You've got big-bodied guys. It's going to be that way. I worried a little bit about McBath. He's not terribly fast, but he's he's got some size to his height. Our uh, receivers are taller than theirs, which is that always is true. A plus. Our receivers are taller than theirs. Um, if you're looking at Mitchell and Shavers, yeah. well, that's it. Heath Heath is six four. I didn't know Heath was that tall. He was six yeah. two. And then the tight end receivers are all taller than theirs too. Yeah. Your Cumbus and your Spiveys and yeah. your Dante Joneses and Powers Warrens and of the world. Yep. They're going to do running back by committee. They've got Chris Curry, a sophomore listed as a starter, but they've got a, a plethora of true and redshirt freshmen back there that are all four and five star guys. Uh, guys, they're going to try to throw the ball more than they run the ball. They're going to probably try to use the running back in the passing game. But just know that we're not going to focus talking about running back. Maybe TJ will talk about it a little bit more simply because they're going to – from what I'm told, there's going to be several guys out there. Yeah. Uh, Coach O a few days ago did say they're they're doing running back by committee this year. They really don't have a choice. They don't – they obviously Clyde last year, as we're seeing in the NFL also, he can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He played 93% of their offensive snaps last year. He doesn't have to come off the field. But you don't have that this year, not for them. Right. If we're talking about positions where they're going to take a step down, their offensive line is going to be a little bit better, a little bit worse. Their receiving core is going to be a little bit worse. The quarterback play at best is going to be a little bit worse. I think if you're LSU, you're just hoping it to be. A, you're trying to get a B minus quarterback out yeah. of Miles Brennan. If you if you get any better than that, it's just bonus. Running back, the the position group as a whole is better, but none of them are going to be as talented as the senior that left last year. But it's again the biggest improvement. And Thaddeus Moss at tight end set, set records at LSU. And this guy might break them. And went undrafted. And went undrafted. And this guy might break them yeah. uh, as a freshman. We'll see, though. Not going to talk about the defense too terribly much. We're going to let uh, TJ talk about that. We are going to mention Derek Stingley and their other cornerback, uh, Cordell Flott. If you haven't heard of Derek Stingley, you probably aren't <laughs> a college football person. I would have to imagine. Yeah, you, or or that, or you're just way. obsessed with Mississippi State college football and you're yeah. – you got your head under our little startful rock. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Those are the only possible explanations, though. Stingley, some people say that Stingley might be the best player in the country. Yeah. He played He played like it last year. Now, he didn't play like the best player in the country, but he played like a really dang good true freshman He's last probably year. the most freshman, most ready to play college football as a freshman ever. I'm, I'm not yeah. even joking. He would have been a top 10 pick if he if you could draft yeah. freshman. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Uh, let's just not throw at him. Yeah, don't throw to him. Yeah. 6'1", 195, but he's super athletic. Uh, he can guard anybody on our team. Right. So it's just, it's just a matter of where they want him to match up. And we talked about size. Um, you know, Shavers and Osiris are bigger than him. If they want to throw a jump ball out one-on-one, I don't think you're going to put him – I think you could put him in that situation. He can be competitive. Uh, I don't know if you, that's exactly – you're not setting him up for success if you do that, but no. he, he probably still can make it. Shavers play. is probably the best matchup for Stingley. In any case um, – you know, you can't. Are you going to put him on the inside or outside guy? Are they going to play? Well, and we'll talk to TJ more if they're going to play a lot of man or a lot of zone with this Bo, new Bopolini defense. But you can't. You know, usually with a guy this talented, you would just put him on your best receiver. But you're not. You're not going to really have that from Mississippi State. We don't really know, especially if you're LSU, what we've got at receiver. You know that there's a lot of raw talent potential there, but you can't just say, "Oh, this guy's better," or "This guy's better," or "This guy's better." Because they're all kind of the same, and especially this Mike Leach offense, they're going to be getting the ball distributed nearly evenly to these receivers. Yeah. So hopefully uh, the confusion and the, this running them to death hope, uh, was our advantage. Conditioning is going to be tested for sure. If you saw um, KJ talk about he says, you know, you just keep throwing and you keep running them, you keep attacking the gaps, you keep attacking space, and then suddenly when you've got a half a foot of space between a linebacker and a slot receiver or a running back, 
now you got two yards of space, and that check down goes for 12 yards instead of one yard. Mm-hmm. If you've heard his interview earlier this week, uh, I thought it was very, very fascinating. Yeah, he, it's very it's very interesting to listen to KJ talk about the way this offense works and talk about the things that he likes. And going back to what Colton said about we're, we're about to find out how well-conditioned this team is, KJ said he's played a lot of football, and this is the most well-conditioned group he's ever seen. So That's Standing around, Ju- the, judging on by last year, that's right. much needed. Yeah, uh, there will be. I expect us to, you know, we'll be we'll be out there, fourth quarter. Hopefully, their guys have their hands on their hips, they're gassed, and our guys look like they just they just ran out on the field for the first time. That's what right. I'm. And we're going to rotate a lot of pieces to try to help with that. Yeah. But the thing is, LSU, all their their guys are talented. You've, if you're going to beat LSU, it's because they're inexperienced and because at some positions due to these transfers. These opt outs, um, they're not gonna be deep at every position. Yeah. They're not deep at most of these positions on defense. They're a little bit thin at linebacker. They've had some attrition at up front. Uh at, at, at the back end's probably a little bit deeper, but um they've got five stars freshmen that could pop pop yeah. in a corner at any time. LSU's DBs are always gonna be good. Oh yeah. But there's if you're gonna beat these guys, it's because you wore out the first string guys and then the second string guys wide eyed and bushy tailed out there mm-hmm. and we know what we're doing. Which that's a tall order for us because this is brand new to all of us too, guys. We're gonna talk about how brand new this is to, for all these LSU people. It's just as if not more brand new to, to us. I told y'all on our last show, if we were all new or I mean, excuse me, all accustomed to all this stuff, if this wasn't a year without spring training during COVID with a new coach and all that, if this was the second or third year under Mike Leach, I'd, I'd call us to win this game, but it's not, and that's actually why I think I'll lose. But if we do pull off the upset, it's going to be because of this inexperience and because of the fact that we were just able to wear them out. And we're still rocking 38-28 over here, so y'all don't worry. What did I pick? I've got it right here. I've got 28-45 in the yeah. loss. But uh, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. <laughs> I think y'all would love for me to be wrong, too. Yeah. I think this is going to conclude this section before we get TJ on, though, so y'all just hang tight, and thanks for listening. Um, but before we do, uh, we're going to get let y'all hear a word from Anchor real quick. All right, we are here with TJ from LSU.prime. You can follow him on Instagram for anything LSU-related. Uh, again, we'll say that again, LSU.prime. He's here with us to talk about uh, mostly this game that's going to be happening on Saturday and what to expect and what he sees from uh, his side of things over on LSU. Uh, TJ, what's, uh, first thing, just real quick, it's been a really confusing, I guess, offseason if you're not an LSU fan but trying to keep up with LSU. What's all been happening since y'all's uh, that really awesome day y'all had in January? Yeah, well, definitely for sure. I think, you know, everybody uh... – you know, the 2020 is definitely not the way, you know, everyone predicted to go or would have hoped it would go. You know, it looked like it was going to be a great year, especially for LSU fans, you know, coming out there January 13th and taking it to Clemson. And, uh, you know, with everything Clemson, happening. By the way. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, too. I mean, yeah, it was 42-25, but, you know, there's a couple of drop touchdowns. And you know, I've got a couple of Clemson fans, you know, saying you know, it wasn't as bad as advertised. But, uh, yeah, it definitely took it to them. Yeah, but I, yeah, to answer your question though, uh, there's been a lot going on. You know, you know, we had you know almost every single starter on offense, uh, except for about two offensive linemen, either you know graduated or declared for the NFL draft, uh, and then even you know guys who uh, were expected to come back, like Jamar Chase, obviously you know top, one of the top wide receivers in football, if not 
depending on who you ask. You know, won the blue in the call award last year, and you know he comes out of nowhere and uh, kind of shocks you know our fan base and tells us you know he's declaring for the draft. Which you know I'm you know there's a lot of people you know upset about you know guys you know declaring. Uh, you know I've always you know just kind of you know respect their decision because you know once again it's their lives. You know we're not living them. Obviously as a fan, I would you know like them to stick around, especially you know a guy with the quality of a talent as uh, Jamar Chase, but I think a lot of people don't really understand is that, you know, we're one of those reloading teams now. I think, you know, we're not exactly there with, you know, the Clemson and Alabama, but we're definitely, you know, on our way there and definitely I think we'll be competitive uh, for years to come. Uh, you know, Chase, uh, you know, Jamar, or, uh, Jefferson are all gone, but, you know, we return uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., who, if, you know, he hadn't gotten hurt, you know, a couple of injuries throughout the season, I think uh, would have led our team in touchdowns over, Chase and Jefferson, so a lot of people don't really take that into consideration. Uh, we got number, we got five star uh, Eric Gilbert going at tight end. Uh, you know he's expected, you know, to be a great, you know, addition just as a freshman coming on. Uh, a lot of hype coming out of you know just a couple weeks of practice they've been having. But uh, I'm sorry about that. And uh, but yeah, just I mean a lot of guys you know who have been leaving you know weren't. You know, expected to leave. You know, also, you have, you know, defensive back, you know, Kerry Vincent Jr. You know, he's gone. Uh, hate to see him go. And then today, uh, you know, senior defensive lineman Tyler Shelvin made it official that he's going to be uh, preparing for the NFL draft, uh, projected first-round talent. And then, uh, I, you know, out of you know, the guys who were you know, declaring, there's only one guy coming back is uh, senior lineman, uh, defensive lineman uh, Neil Farrell. He decided he is going to come back after saying, you know, he was going to hold out the season and not come back till next year, but he has made the decision he's going to come back. So that's a big, you know, boost for the defensive line. So, yeah. And I, I wanted to ask about Pharrell real quick. I know he opted back in, like, in the middle of training camp, like just a, a week or two ago. Is he is he going to be available for the game Saturday, or is, is that he's probably still practicing? He is uh, going to be available, but as you said, he's only you know, been there for about two weeks now. And uh, he's not going to start, but I would, you know, expect him to get some reps in there. The right now we've got, uh, I believe, Sikiaka and uh, Fanua, who are getting the edge right now, a defensive line at the two D tackle spots. Right, and I know. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about. We heard that there's a lot of guys that had the virus in y'all's camp. Uh, not, not that I'm bragging anything. I know Mississippi State's handled it really, really well. Mike Leach wouldn't tell us if anybody had it, but. Um, I know only right. about 50 kids in the entire campus have it, so yeah. I doubt a football player does. But do you know – what do you know about that? Are they Did they miss a lot of time, or how many guys was it? Or, uh, you know, I know I heard him say, like, something like 70, which just sounds crazy to me. Right, yeah. I Honestly, I didn't see anything about that. I mean, they really kept it hush-hush uh, until, I want to say, about a week ago when, you know, ESPN came out and uh, reported that, you know, it was – Almost the entirety of the team has been revealed, has had it. But what they didn't include is, you know, you know, this is all, you know, stuff that happened, you know, earlier in about, you know, summer workouts and stuff where, you know, most of the team, yes, has had it, but they've already gone through it. And as, you know, a lot of us know with the coronavirus, one of the unique aspects is, you know, you know, 99% of the time, you know, if you've already had it, there's a good chance, you know, you're not going to, you know, you become asymptomatic to it. So you've already dealt with it. You've already been through it. You know, you shouldn't be affected by it again, which, you know, could be, you know, a bonus for us because, you know, with the new protocol, you know, coming out for this season, you know, if a player, you know, does, you know, contract the virus during the season, you know, the amount of time that they're going to miss, you know, is going to be crucial. So 
if it's a star player, you know, for any team out there, like say if Trevor Lawrence goes down with it, obviously Clemson isn't the same team anymore. So, uh, yes, uh, there is. I don't know the exact numbers. They really haven't released that yet, but um, the majority of the team has already had it, gone through it. So I don't think there's really anything to worry about, you know, from the LSU side of things about it. Right. So you think that was like not recent, you know, a couple months ago. Right. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, who, who 100% had it, you know, specifically and, you know, when, but uh, Coach, you know, came out and said, uh, clarified that, yeah, the majority of all these, you know, positive tests that happened were almost at the beginning of the summer camps. And so, you know, it shouldn't affect us whatsoever right now. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so something that I just want to ask about, TJ, was the transfers that have been going on out of LSU. I was just wondering if – you might think that there's anything larger going on here, or if you think that it's just guys that are leaving the program in general. Right. Yeah. You know. You know that was obviously you know was a cause for concern even for me. But uh, you know, you take a look at who is transferring, and if you really break it down, you know, two of them were tight ends. You know, one was a tight end that they were going to convert to defensive line, just because you know it, you know they really didn't have a shot of playing. You know, we have Eric Gilbert coming in and. Uh, Cole Taylor, who's another, you know, promising, you know, recruit. So, I mean, as far as those two, I think it was just, you know, come down to playing time. And then we had uh, safety, Eric Monroe. He was a graduate senior. So, uh, I think half that was probably the academic side for him, wanted to, you know, go off and get his master's. And he chose Texas Tech. It was a great school. And I'm actually, you know, really close to him. I talked to him on the, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, he just – uh, I think, you know, for him personally, he just want to change the scenery and to be closer home to family. He's got family down there in Texas. So, uh, I mean, the transfer side, there hasn't really been a big name or anybody I think LSU fans should worry about. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, something we want to talk about, too, before we get to offense, we're going to ask about defense. So, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a, of a change on the defensive side of the ball. What scheme are you all going to use this year? We know the alignment. Oh, yeah. I guess what do you expect? Yeah, you know, what do you expect? Fans, I'm, maybe not. Maybe not everybody knows. You know the difference between a four three and three four and all that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, they are. They come out. You know, it's, it's Bo Pelini running the show now, which uh, last year was Dave Miranda, and you know a lot of people you know don't realize you know as Tiger fans, uh, you know, a lot of us you know we're kind of celebrating that you know Miranda you know moved on. Yes, you know he has a you know, good. Uh, uh, reputation and you know history especially back at wisconsin but you know it, uh, yes we were you know a really dominant team last year but our defense you know wasn't you know in the top 10 of rankings almost any stat if you go back and look at it and so i think you know bringing back Bo lean and his style of defense you know that mean you know tenacious defense i think is honestly a plus you know for us and a lot of tiger fans you know will agree with me on that uh, i think it's just you know the majority of the, you know the outside looking in you know they just see that you know de- uh, defensive coordinators left and they want to you know put that as a minus or you know something to look to knock LSU for but yeah he, he's come out and said he almost from day one that you know he's going to start running the 4-3 because of all the talent we have at the defensive line position you know we really want to enforce that uh, obviously you know losing our linebackers from last year you know took a huge hit and uh we did get, you know, a good transfer in Jabril Cox. I think, you know, he'll definitely you know, turn a lot of heads at uh, the FES level coming in from North Dakota State. He's already turning heads in camp. Uh, but obviously, yeah, the linebacker position, we're not, you know, the deepest there. So change to a 4-3, I think, will uh, tremendously benefit us just due to the amount of depth, you know, and talent we have at the defensive line. Right. I know that uh, 
Dave Aranda and Coach O, I, I, I guess from some of the things he's even said this offseason, I don't get the idea that they always got along the best. And, right. uh, perhaps, and I know I do know that Bo Pelini's often been hard to get along with as far as like fans and media goes. I don't know how he is as a coordinator with his head coach. But I know that the scheme – I know Coach O likes the 4-3. Uh, he prefers uh, – you know, him being a defensive line coach, uh, he exactly. wants his big guys to be the ones making plays. Uh and that this is going to let them – I do think in the long run it will it will benefit y'all, even though Dave Aranda's a really good coach. But uh, as, are you concerned about, you know, and of, of course we are too with Mississippi State. I, obviously we're concerned with the newness of it, the newness on scheme on both sides of the ball, the newness. We're both dealing with new quarterbacks, a lot of similarities. We're in this really awful position, you and I and Gavin, of uh, this is probably the hardest pr- to predict game in all of college football this year. You've – I don't think there's any more new. You'll see another team with more new on either side of the ball than us. Maybe when y'all play Ole Miss, but even then, they have most of the same guys on the squad. You know, they had a young team last year. So, what do you think uh, is is that a concern, or or what what of all this newness? What are you not concerned with, and what are you a little bit you know maybe maybe concerned with? I, that's a great question, and uh, yeah, I fully agree with you. You know, I. I Totally see uh, the similarities between Mississippi State and LSU for sure. Uh, you know, for me, you know, everyone's, you know, obviously, and for good reason, concerned, you know, with the quarterback change going from, you know, legend Joe Burrow to, you know, a guy who, you know, really hasn't have seen a lot, you know, and people are obviously worried about that in Miles Brennan. But, you know, we offered him out of middle school, and, you know, he's been waiting his turn, and, you know, he's been sitting behind Burrow. You know, he's had two years now under his belt learning this type of offense. So, my level of concern isn't, you know, as high as, you know, I think what normal people would, you know, assume with a new starting quarterback. I obviously don't think he's going to be Joe Burrow. I mean, that's just, you know, unreasonable for anybody to assume he's going to be, uh, you know, anything close to what Joe Burrow put up last year. I mean, that was just unreal numbers. But I do think uh, he will be, you know, a good quarterback. Uh, just it'll see, you know, how long it takes him to get, you know, mesh with this new offense in a real game, especially with the limited, you know, practice and stuff. But going back to last year, uh, there's a, a quote from uh, Joe Brady, you know, our former passing quarterback or coordinator, sorry, uh, who said coming out of you know the spring practices going into last year's season, you know, he voted you know the most improved player out of anybody on the team, even over Joe Burrow was Miles Brennan. So, I mean, personally, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on the field, and I think he showed a glimpse of it last year when he came in as backup role. But uh, we'll see if you know. You know you can actually do it, you know, in a real game as a starter. I got you. So, obviously, Ensminger was still on staff last year, but with him moving into the new role, being the main OC with Joe Brady leaving, do you think y'all are going to try to run the same sort of stuff that you did last year, or do you think it's just going to be completely new? Uh, I mean, I'm great. Um, excited you asked this question because you know, that's one thing everybody loves to point out, too, is how, you know, Brady left, and you know, a lot of people – or mistaken that he was our offense coordinator, which he was uh, only our passing coordinator. And he and uh, Steve Esminger, you know, almost split the calls. Obviously, he was more in charge of the passing game, and Esminger more of the the uh, tight end and run game. But, um, you know, I just – the blueprints are still there. It's not like, you know, we just completely, you know, you know, are starting from scratch here. Obviously, if it worked last year, if, you know, Brennan was used to running in practice, I don't uh, see why we wouldn't run the same, you know, sort of stuff. Uh, I do believe there's going to be more of a run game with the talent at running back, you know, that we have, and with you know Miles Brennan, you know, being a new starting quarterback for obvious reasons. But uh, to say, you know, 
that there's any, you know, worry that we can't, you know, run, you know, same offense and have success with it. I just don't see where, you know, people are getting off on that. Yeah, we're, I just, Ensminger was there a long time before Brady, and it just seems like Brady was the straw that stirred the drink, I think is why a lot of people were concerned. But, you know, I think y'all's best shot is how much of, did Ensminger learn? You know, did he, did he, did he, is he going to just try to, to do the stuff that they, that him and Brady both together worked on last year? And I think, like, a, with the talent y'all have, especially as pass catchers, uh, I think y'all would be better off if y'all just kind of kind of try to do the same stuff if you can last year. Of course, with, you know, four- and five-star running backs, you're going to be uh, just fine. I know there's several running backs on the depth chart all kind of clustered there together. Uh, kind of a running back by committee thing this year? Is that what we were to expect? Yes, uh, 100%. You know, last year, uh, you know, our, our, it's obvious Clyde, you know, was the number one, and then they really rotated whoever at number two. But, I mean – you know, with uh, Emory back there, former five-star, you know, number one running back in the class. You know, Ty Davis-Price showed he could hold his own last year. And, you know, Chris Curry, he's going to be, you know, the starter just because of, you know, veteran, you know, presence. And, you know, he's been there. He does his time, almost like Brennan. And you know, he's a, another high-quality back. So, and there's too too much talent back there just to not use all of them. So. Yeah, I got you. Uh, last thing that we'll kind of – kind of try to get in here before we just, you know, ask you to make a few predictions, of course, you know, standard media things. Uh, yep. You think there's pressure on Miles Brennan. So if you recall, you know, in Mississippi State, you know, we had a legend, Dak Prescott, broke all our records. Uh, if not for one or two bad games in 2014, you know, he's he was right there at the high, uh, going to November as the Heisman front runner. Didn't finish the deal, of course, like Burrow did, but uh, in 2016, Nick Fitzgerald for Mississippi State didn't really benefit from that pressure for having to follow a legend. I think Brennan, in my opinion, is a little bit better off because there's just no way I think he could replicate what Joe Burrow did. I don't think anybody could this year uh, in college football. Maybe someday. But uh, right. is there is that pressure still there from the fan base and from the coaching staff? Uh, I mean, personally, I, I obviously, you know, my how I view it is I don't you know I obviously don't put that pressure on but yes as a fan base I do believe you know, there are going to be some people who hope you know he's at least you know three fourths of Burrow I think that's all it really has to be you know I don't think anybody is really assuming him to you know, to be anywhere close to Burrow but there is you know you know good reason to have you know uh, you know good uh, aspirations and goals for him you know to set or to set for him this especially this season with the talent he has around him. And, you know, with the offense that, we, you know, we run. So I do see why, you know, some people definitely expect him to be, you know, very competitive this season and keep LSU up there. But uh, as far as him benefiting from it, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I, I don't know how he's going to respond to it, but hopefully, you know, in a positive way, at least, for, you know, for Tiger fans. All right, that's awesome. And then last thing, you know, uh, Give us a score prediction and maybe two things LSU has to do to make sure that your score prediction is correct. I'm assuming you're going to pick them to win. I uh, do, you know, I guess I do have them winning. Uh, you know, I, I really think, you know, whatever, you know, my score prediction is not going to be even close to what it is because just because the offseason we've had. And, oh, I, I uh, hated I, picking, picking this game's score. Uh, this was the hardest game to pick by far. For the score, right. at least. Because we have no yeah, clue. <laughs> You're good. Go ahead. I mean, just saying, we have no clue. Just telling our people listening, don't do not judge us too hard on these score predictions. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a break, please. But anyway, your score prediction. Uh, I, I see. You know, uh, 
around the 31 to 20 range or maybe even a little bit less scoring than that with LSU coming on top. I do, I really think, you know, the first half is really going to be a feeling out, you know, for both sides of the ball because, you know, like you guys said, it's so much newness, you know, for both teams. And uh, really, you know, for the new quarterbacks to, you know, mesh with their offenses and see, you know, what works or not. And, I mean, you know, with a whole new head coach for you guys, it's going to obviously take a, you know, almost maybe a whole game uh, to figure out, you know, what works for them best. So, um, I mean, obviously I hope LSU comes on top. I know you guys are rooting, you know, for your dogs. Uh, I think it'll be a great game, though, to watch, and can't wait to watch it. Yeah, same over here. The sound, I don't think any of us have a, have the spread getting covered by LSU. The spread's yeah. a little wide. I, they, it, the FBI and the Vegas is a little bit down on – I'm obviously, I'm, we're not expecting to win seven or eight games this year, but I, they're a little bit – I think they're shortchanging us a little bit. They've got it at, like, what, 18 or 19? Yeah, I've seen some people say we're finishing last in the West, which I just can't imagine. Not with Arkansas the way they are. No. I don't see that. Yeah, when they came out with, you know, the 16 and a half and they got up to 18 at one point, I was like, uh, I didn't understand it at all. Uh, I think that was way too high, especially for, you know, what's so unknown about this offseason. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, again – they might be – the spread might be 40 points. I mean, who knows? Because it is hard to predict. But I think just when everybody doesn't – kind of still trying to figure out what they're doing, you, you lend yourself for the game to be a little bit closer, even though both teams – one team might be more talented than the other. If you're both trying to figure it out, uh, it kind of helps you – keeps you from creating that much separation, in my experience. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, man. This was awesome. Uh had such a great time talking to you and uh of course we'll have this out tomorrow you can listen to it you can share as much as you want and uh guys again uh would hope that all y'all appreciate tj from lsu.prime the lsu news page on instagram for uh taking the time to talk to us yeah thank you man yeah no problem guys and good luck saturday yep you too, you too. thanks yep all right we're back just gathering and on of course we're Really thankful for TJ there, uh, giving us a little bit of insight from the LSU side of things. We're going to try to do that uh, before every opponent, and we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to uh, locate somebody that's willing and intelligent enough. You know, guys, anybody can go start an Instagram page or a social media page. Uh, we were we were fingers crossed that we drew somebody that uh, picked out somebody that knew what he was talking about, and I did try to screen potential guys, and we uh, I think we hit a home run there. Yeah, he was really good. Good at very good, I think, at uh, expressing his his uh, his uh, ideas and uh, getting them across in a way that understand. He he, if you can't tell, he's trying to start a podcast as well. He's he's got the he's got the on air speech yeah. down probably yeah. better than me. That was very he was very smooth. I was very impressed with him. So, hope TJ, if you're listening, thank you. That was very enjoyable for both of us. Right. Hope that uh, y'all appreciate that. We're just gonna go into a key, a few, you know, keys to success. You know, the kind of things that. State's going to have to get right, and uh, if they're going to win this game this Saturday, and, of course, there's not much room for error when you're playing the former national champions, the reigning national champs, and the uh, with the kind of talent that they have. The first um, key to success is we're going to have to outlast LSU, and what I mean by that is we've heard often all the time that uh, we're a very well-conditioned team, and we know the way that the spread offense works is it, it just tends to wears people out, wears the defenses out, they get not only physically but mentally tired of having disciplined coverages and disciplined, uh, disciplined scheming and just and just being exactly how minding their p's and q's on every single passing play, and you run a ton of plays. There's not a lot of three and outs with this offense. Hopefully, uh, that continues. 
But uh, if we can get them back on their heels, if we force them to put in some second string guys because they're winded, if we rotate guys and keep our guys are fresh, you know, because there's not a lot of drop off amongst our receiving core, then perhaps we can uh, we can really get after them. Uh, that's gonna gonna have to be something that I think uh, helps us win the game if we do win the game. Is you've got a, a a less conditioned team, you know, a team that may or may not have been plagued by COVID during the year that's not quite that deep because of opt outs and transfers. Uh, get them on their heels a little bit. Yeah, and the next thing we have. Uh... We want to survive the first quarter and hopefully the first half. So looking back at last year's Bama game, it was kind of the opposite in that sense. We were able to hang on in the first quarter. Or, I mean, we, were, we weren't able to hang on in the first half, and then afterwards we, we were able to get after them. Hopefully we can have that second-half Bama look coming into this game. Uh, like TJ just kind of talked about, it's very weird with the schematics of things. There's a lot of newness. We really don't know what to expect from either team, and hopefully – Hopefully that plays into our favor in a sense that they don't know what to what to how to attack the three three five technically or they don't know what to do with kind of some of the guys we're putting out on the field they don't know how to attack Zach Arnett's defense. Uh, hopefully that plays into our favor, but if not, things get ugly pretty quick. Right, and of course you don't you don't have to win the first quarter, you don't have yeah. to win the first half, but just keep things manageable. Yeah, make it you know fourteen twenty seventeen to twenty yeah. uh you know twenty four twenty something like that. Just you try to. You don't want it to be, you know, twenty four to yeah. ten keep at it, the end of the first quarter. Keep it within ten, and I'm feeling pretty confident. These better, you know, you're not going to want to have to play catch up. Not because Mike Leach's offense isn't built to do that, because it is, but because when you when you have a deficit and you're trying to play catch up, it's just it's just not very likely that you're going to be able to be successful. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have limit the pass catchers. So. Kind of obvious. Yeah. Kind of obvious. <laughs> They're going to throw the ball a lot. Limit the pass catchers. Yeah. Uh, what we mean, though, you know, you've got some guys that are great at the catch and run. They're athletic. They're fast. They're strong. They're tall. You don't need yards after catch. You need to tackle these guys. And, of course, that's a tall task when we're talking about Eric Gilbert, of course, who's uh, 6'5", 240. Um, you're, you, you want these guys to catch the ball and – only catch the ball. You're gonna want these guys to not t- uh, take get huge plays. You don't you don't want these guys to feast. Like we said, we're just trying not to be Eric Gilbert's coming out party. We're not trying to uh, be a part of Terrence Marshall's Bolitnikov campaign. Okay, yeah. uh, and the best way I think to limit these ca- uh, pass catchers is to get to Miles Brennan, and that means with the pass rush, Zach Arnett's got all kinds of blitzes in this three three five. He's got he's gonna bring pressure from all over the place. He's gonna have guys in misalignments and uh and in odd shaped fronts. Of course, three three five is an odd shaped defense anyway. Uh, we're gonna have to get after him and get to him, even with a little bit of a talent deficit, uh, in order to be successful. If he's got a clean pocket, um, we're not gonna win. That's just that's just the fact of the matter, guys. If he is gonna stand there and even a young quarterback, if he's gonna survey the field, take his time, pitch and catch to guys that are six four six five, there's nothing we can do. We're gonna have to get to him. Yeah, you've really got to you've really got to make him uncomfortable back there, especially with this being his first start ever. You can't just let him sit back there and feel comfortable cuz then it feels like practice. Exactly. If you're getting back there and hitting him and getting him getting in his face, then we've got a lot better chance to win this ball. Force game. him into third downs, force him into some pressure situations, take away his favorite maybe you know if you have to do some unbalanced stuff, take away his favorite one or two targets, make him get to his third read. You if you can make Miles Brennan get past his first read, you've got a way better chance to win this game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so next up on the list, we've got Confuse, Brennan, and Insminger. 
This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The three three five is just a very weird scheme. It's very rare for you to see it across college football at all, across football in general. So our best bet right here is just send some exotic blitzes, put some exotic packages out on the field. Uh, I would say our best bet in doing this is just moving around Marcus Murphy, using him to your advantage. He's probably our most athletic defender playing the nickel or what we have listed on the depth chart as the bulldog position. Right. Uh, I think that Marcus is going to be a game changer in this game, and you've just got to you've got to move him around, use his athleticism to your advantage. Right, and whether it's you know corner blitzes or you know throwing crazy linebackers out into the blitz package or out into coverage, you know just doing weird stuff, and we're going to be doing weird stuff. You're asking, you know, you're going to want to disguise your coverages. Asking Miles Brennan to read a defense pre and post snap is going to be a tall order. If he's got a live arm, he's got the athletic ability. But does he have it upstairs at yet at his first start to read defenses? And the answer is probably not, uh, especially with this odd defense. If you can get him on his toes a little bit, uh, you're going to have a much better chance. Yep. Of, of course, you know, you might not have to read a defense when you've got a 6'5", 250-pound tight end. You might, yeah, <laughs> you might just right. throw it to him and let yeah. him catch it. But <laughs> hopefully we can, uh, we can get to him in the pocket before he gets that chance. Yeah, and the last thing we have on the list for you all today is don't give up two home runs. Right. I so, originally put don't give up home runs. And by home runs, I mean, you know, the 50-plus yard play, the big yeah. home run, uh, the big, long, long bomb. Gavin says we're going to give up one. Yeah, with the youth <laughs> of this defense and with it being the first game in the new scheme, I don't see a way that we don't give up a home run. If we do, then, you know, I'll do some challenge on the show next week or something. But I just think there's no way that we don't give up at least one home run. The the kicker here is going to be don't give up two. Don't give up multiple. You know yeah. if they have if they have three or four plays of forty plus yards yeah. touchdown plays we're in trouble. You know if they if if they get to have our defense out on the field, uh, out if they get to have our defense out on the field and they're wearing them out and then all of a sudden bam go long. I mean how demoralizing is that? That's bad for your morale. That's bad for your uh, self esteem. I guess as a player and as a coach. And it's just not going to be something that we're, we're I don't see us recovering from. Yeah. You know, imagine with the talent on this team, if we're going to win, we're going to have to be methodical, precise, doing exactly everything just right. We drive down the field, we score. LSU, LSU runs two plays on the third play. They get 60 yards touchdown. Yeah. I mean, just imagine how that's going to make everybody feel. Your offense has to go back out there and take up an, and uh, get back at another deficit or answer again after they just did everything perfect and, you know, 10 or 12 little short passes and then – you know, what are you, what are you going to be able to do? I mean, that's just backbreaking. Yeah. Not something we're going to be able to do. Hopefully, especially late in the game, we don't give up any of those home run yeah. plays. Hopefully, we're the ones that are hitting home runs. And they had big plays last year. They were a big play. They were, there's, if there's any offensive category that's positive, LSU was near the top at it. And yeah. that includes big plays. Yeah, obviously. Well, that's all we've got for today. Hope that uh, you appreciate this episode. Hope that, uh, like we said, we can get more special guests to come on the show uh, and talk about these teams. You know, we've already got somebody lined up, hopefully, for Arkansas, unless that falls through. Uh, I'll get to start talking to some Kentucky people. Uh, I don't like talking about Kentucky. I don't. (laughs) Kentucky makes me uncomfortable. Kentucky makes me upset. Yeah. For so many reasons. We should beat that team every time we play. I'm not going to get on my my soapbox about that. I'm going to let y'all go. Um, Until next time, uh, of course, we'll have a show after the game, Monday probably. Uh, in fact, you can hold us to that. We'll have a show Monday, um, and we'll see y'all later. Until then, swing your sword and hail state. Hail state.